Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. I want to start at verse 28 and read through verse 33. It says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an emissage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now this passage is talking about counting the costs. And of course, the context is having to do with uh, discipleship and coming to the Lord. You know, there's a cost involved in coming to know the Lord. And people, you and I and people in general, have to consider that cost. You know, some aren't willing to accept the cost. Those requires we love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's part of repentance, is turning away from sin and self and the world and surrendering, giving control of our life to God. Some are not willing to count the cost. Count the cost. But I'm going to look at it a little, from a little different angle tonight, kind of pick up from where Pastor Custer left off. And my title and message is Preparation for Life. So let's pray and then we'll, we'll look at this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege that we have to open your precious word. We thank you for the principles that are given to us in scripture. And we thank you for your love and your mercies and your grace that you continue to work in our lives and, uh, and will continue to work until you come for us. I pray tonight as we consider some of these principles, as think about preparation for life. I pray that you'd give us wisdom and understanding in thy truth. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Pastor Custer, Sunday, I think it was Sunday morning, preached a message about three things. Can somebody tell me what the three things were he mentioned? Quiz time. Pleasure, pain, and preparation. Pleasure, pain. He says life is pleasure. It could be pain, and it is preparation. Now I want to, and so I want to elaborate on the preparation. The preparation. To too many people, life is more pain than pleasure, and many times the main reason is a lack of preparation. A lack of preparation. It may not have been necessarily their own preparation, but preparation somewhere along the way. They live for the present pleasure without thought. May live for the present pleasure without thought of where my present is leading me. And you know, this is a sin of youth. But it's not limited to youth anymore. Because there's a lot of people, a lot of adults that act like youth nowadays. 
Um, and I say that in all seriousness. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we went through the, the hippie era, and the hippies have kids. And the hippies were lived like kids all their lives without restraint, and then they raised kids without restraint. Um, the word preparation means a proceeding, measure, or provision by which one prepares for something. Now, you and I, now we adults, you know, we're still preparing for something, that is eternity. All of us are preparing for eternity. But we think it's particularly of young people, we often think of young people who are still at home as preparing for life. You know, we adults kind of feel like we're already in it. We're already in the real world. We, we have to, to earn our way. You know, we're in real life. Adult life. So I kind of, kind of razzed uh, Ryan a little bit by, you know, and now that he's graduated, the real life comes, you know, work, responsibilities. But you know, as we prepare, preparing for life is learning to get ready for these things. Uh, you know, the same is true in salvation. We, not, we never give people the impression they have to clean up their lives before they come to Jesus. It's like washing before you take a bath. No. No, you, you don't clean up. You repent. You'd be willing to give up, and you give up control, and God will take care of cleaning up your life. Uh, <clears throat> we know that, that Philippians 1 tells us, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. God will continue to work in my life, in my present, for the future. And God is going to continue to work in your life, even if you are an adult. Even if you are older, God's going to continue to work in your life, preparing you for the future. Eternity. And even the future in this life. You never cease to grow. At least you should not. So it is, it is important for every potential disciple to consider the cost of being a disciple, and the same is true of us as, as we think about preparing for life. We need to consider the cost. You know, just as it costs something to be a disciple of Jesus, it costs us something if we want to be prepared for life. We have to, and young people, you have to consider that cost now. If you don't consider that cost now, it's going to be harder when the time comes. That's why Solomon said, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days draw nigh, and when I'll say thou hast no pleasure in them. You know, preparing for life, we need to consider our present action, our lifestyles that will project us or cast us forth and provide for us in our future goals. I'm sure you young men and you young ladies sitting here looking at me tonight kind of have in the back of your mind some things that you have in mind for the future. 
If you're a man, you probably think, you know, someday I'll probably get married. Or I'd like to get married. And if you're a young lady, you might be thinking, well, you know, I'd like to be a wife and have children. And, you know, again, that's not for everybody. But it is typical. It is God's plan for most of us, I do believe. Again, it's not for everybody. But most people want to get married and have a family. Um, it's God's plan for multiplying and replenishing the earth. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. The Bible is very clear. Of course, this is the, this is the purpose of marriage. In Genesis 1, 27 and 28, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he the, him. Male and female created he them. God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And then in chapter 2 and verse 18, to provide for this multiplication of man and woman, he gave Adam and help meet for him, where it says in uh, Genesis 2.18, The Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. He can't multiply if he's alone. I will make him and help meet for him. In other words, fit. One just for him. You know, it's, it's man, in the nature of man to multiply and subdue or rule over things, to lead. That's kind of in the nature of man. Men, you know, little boys, I don't know if, you know, if, you, if you've had children, and if you've had boys and then you've had girls, you'll notice some things that are distinctly different. You don't have to teach boys to fight. They naturally want to play things like, you know, war and army and boy things. Why? Because it's in their nature to lead, to defend, to protect. It's innate. It's innate in girls to nurture maternal instincts. And the purpose of the family is described for us very clearly in Malachi chapter 2, in verse 15, where the prophet Malachi was, uh, was uh, prophesying against the children of Israel for their corruption of the marriage. And he said in verse 15 of Malachi 2, And did not he make one, yet had he the residue of the spirits, and wherefore one? So why did God make one? Well, that is the marriage unit, or... Uh, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore, take heed to your spirit, and let none of you deal treacherously against the wife of youth. So the purpose of marriage was to raise a godly seed. And my question to you tonight is, young people in particular, what are you doing to prepare for that? You, know, you may be thinking at this point, you know, I had one that said he was never going to get married. But he was going to take his honeymoon in Colorado or somewhere. Uh, but he did, you know. Um, what, are you, what are you preparing to do? What are you doing to prepare for that? That's a good question. 
And parents, I believe, play a very important role in this preparation. That must not be overlooked. Now let me give you several things parents ought to do in in preparing for this preparation. We need to train our children, first of all, we need to train our children to self-govern themselves. Now, what does that mean? Let me give you three things. Teach them self-restraint. In other words, teach them to control their feelings and their passions. Of course, we heard a lot about that in Sunday school the last couple couple weeks. But look at Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14. And verse 17, Proverbs 14, 17 says, He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Verse 29, He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Chapter 16, verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Uh, Chapter 25, verse 28. Chapter 25, verse 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit, in other words, he can't control his passions or his appetites, is like a city that is broken down and without walls. In other words, there's no protection. No protection. You know, Proverbs 23, verse 3, warns of a man given to appetite. A man given to appetite, the context there tells us, will be easily deceived or led astray. In Luke chapter 21, verse 34, the Bible says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that they that day come upon you unaware. He's talking about the, the coming of the Lord. And so we're to take heed to ourselves, not to be given to over to our appetites, surfeiting and drunkenness. That's, that's, that's talking about gluttony and so on. Uh, but again, giving in to our passions, not uh, uh, controlling our passions and our feelings. And so he says we're, to be, we're warned not to be given over to those things, lest that day overtake us unawares. So, Parents from little up need to train children to govern themselves, to control their emotions, their feelings, their passions. You don't give them everything they want. We always told them if you cry for it, you will cry. You will cry. But you won't get what you want. We're to teach them self-responsibility. Self-responsibility. You know, the Bible clearly says, every man shall give account of himself to God. And we need to determine as a parent that we're not going to bail you out of your bad choices. You know, that means if you're given a job to do, it's to be completed and completed right. You know, I believe if you if they if they're given a job to do and they do it right, you need to make them do it right. They need to redo it. And you're not owed a living. You need to earn it. You need to earn it. 
Trust is earned. Respect is earned. All those things are earned in real life. And one of these days, you know, you're going to, some of you are still at home, some of you already have, you're already figuring it out. When you leave home, you, you learn that real quickly. <laughs> you have to earn it. The world's just not going to give it to you. That's why so many young people are angry and they riot in the streets because they think the world owes them a living. They don't want to work for it. Now, I, I did this for a reason. Teach them readiness. Now, speaking there, of course, your restraint, responsibility, readiness. This, this speaks of initiative to be ready to help at any time in any place. That requires an awareness of what's going on around you an observing of the state of things. Proverbs 31.27, speaking of the virtuous woman, says, She looketh well to the ways of her household, eateth not the bread of idleness. Now she's aware of what's going on around her, and she's ready. You know, here in Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, we see this principle also of, of, of being ready you notice it says in verse 28, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it? In other words, is he ready really to start this tower? Does he have the materials? You know, I'm building a barn at my house. I've been wanting to build a barn for years, ever since I've been here. That's 14 years, I guess. Uh, but anyway, I've been, you know, kind of in my mind, I've wanted this barn, little barn. You get a few animals. But you know what? I really didn't want to spend much to do it. So the last few years I've been gathering materials. And I started last, you know, six months or so ago, I went out and I looked at all the materials I had and I thought, now is the time to start. Because I've got most of what I need. There's just a few things I have to buy. Because I don't want to start the barn and I have to go buy half of what I need to put in it. It's not that important to me that I want to spend the much money put in it. But I would like to have one. So I gathered materials. I got stuff all free. See, I didn't want to start and then have my kids laugh at me because I couldn't finish it, you know. Or what king? Notice verse 31. What king going to war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? So there's some, there's some preparation here. There's a readiness. There's planning. You don't just decide, hey, I might go to war today. <laughs> notice preparation that is made for this. And if you're going to Enter into life. You've got to make some preparations. It's good to make preparations. If you make preparations, your life will be more pleasant later on. The virtuous woman reaped pleasant things. Why? Because she invested early on. You know, a former Navy SEAL in his commencement speech said this, quote, if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed, unquote. Well, that sounds kind of... But you know what he said? He said, making our bed seems simple, but if we don't do the simple things right, well, you know how that goes. 
You don't do the simple things right. Are you going to do the big things right? Are you going to finish the job? He said also, quote, if you want to change the world, get over being a sugar cookie and keep moving forward, unquote. So, girls, you got to get over to the princess syndrome. And boys, you got to learn to be a real man. Take responsibility. That's what it takes to be a man. Take responsibility for yourself and for those under your authority. If you're going to marry a wife, you got to take responsibility, willing to take responsibility for her. Even the things that she says. Your numbers tells us that a husband could void what his wife says. We're to be the head of the house. He, went on, he also said, quote, if you want to change the world, you must be the very best in, your, in the darkest moment, unquote. You know, 2 Timothy 2.3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes life is just hard and unfair. Get over it. Welcome to real life. Sometimes our kids would say, well, that's just not fair. We'd say, oh, well, life's not fair. It's not. It's not fair. You know, I grew up saying the same things. Life's not fair. I wish I was born in that family. They have more money than I do. They have things that I couldn't have. You know, we'd always envy some of our neighbors. Those boys had motorcycles. And they'd go to the pasture to herd in the cows for milking, and they'd ride out there on their motorcycle to get them. We had to walk. Poor us. We had to walk. And I'll be honest with you, I was envious about it. And then I went to work for one of those families. And you know what I realized? They weren't any happier than we were. Those things didn't make them happy. I was old enough at that point to understand that. Life's not fair. Get over it. He also said, quote, So if you want to change the world, start singing when you're up to your neck in mud. Unquote. Many times we get ourselves into these kind of places, you know, up to our neck in mud, so to speak. But we just had to buck up, accept our faults, and learn from them. Paul said, I have learned in what sort of state I am therewith to be content. Young people, you're going to get yourself into some predicaments. Buck up. Learn from them. You know, Brother Forney always said in one of his missions classes, he said, if you're going to go to the mission field, one of the things you have to learn is to be able to laugh at yourself. Because they're going to laugh at you. And if you can't learn to laugh at yourself, you're not going to make it on the mission field. Andrew's laughing. He understands what I'm talking about. He also said, quote, If you want to change the world, don't ever, ever ring the bell. Unquote. 
That means don't quit. Don't be a quitter. 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, through Paul said, For I am now ready to be offered. My time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He wasn't quitting. He wasn't giving up. His life was being taken. Because he had finished his course. He had not, he did not quit. And henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. The Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. You see, we need to learn that life is difficult. But if we make some preparations, it makes it easier for us. Preparation also requires sacrifice. Notice verse 28 again of Luke 14. For which of you, tending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost? The cost. Whether he have sufficient to finish it. In other words, there's a cost involved here. There's a price to pay. And of course, in the context, we're talking about following the Lord. There's a price to pay if we're going to follow the Lord. But as we think about it, and this is true in every area of life, if we want to have a successful home or marriage or successful even career, you know, maybe maybe God isn't, you know, you you aren't one that's going to get married. You know, there are some like that. There are some that are eunuchs from the birth. Jesus said, because they don't have that urge to get married. For, for physical intimacy. But whatever it is, it requires a cost. If you want the blessings and pleasure that a harvest brings, it requires preparation of the soil, planting, watering, weeding. If you're going to get a successful harvest, It requires some prep work, some sacrifice. You know, every parent understands this. You put time, 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 and time, and work into your children. But you children, as you get older, you need to put your time in preparing for the future when you're going to have children And you can put the time into them that they need. Proverbs twenty four twenty seven says, Prepare thy work without. Make it fit for thyself in the field. And afterwards, build thine house. Now we're talking about some preparation here for a home. Or preparation for your life. Whichever it may be. In his commentary, Charles Bridges says concerning this verse... He says, quote, this rule of prudence applies to all worldly matters. Religion, so far from forbidding, inculcates care and forethought. Much of our domestic comfort hangs upon it. 
Much inconvenience and suffering flow from its neglect. Acting upon this useful direction, the wise builder first prepares his work without. He collects his materials, calculates upon the quantity required, then he makes his work fit by shaping and bringing them into their place. And afterward, having all things in readiness, he builds his house. The work was thus prepared for Solomon's magnificent temple before the house was built. You know, our life, our Christian life, is compared to a building. And you can compare, you can compare marriage or home to a building. And if you prepare for it, the chances of it being a success are much greater. Much greater. Now, let me give you some things that we need to prepare or require sacrifice. Particularly, of course, this, this is particularly important to young people. Number one, save for the future. Save for the future. Of course, all of us need to be saving for the future. I need to be saving for the future. There may come a day where I can't work. I know there will come a day where I should not pastor. I've known too many pastors that stayed on beyond they should have. They became like a grandpa in the pulpit. Not necessarily so much in the pulpit, but in dealing with people. And they let things go in the church and didn't deal with it and ruined the church they started. I don't want to do that. In fact, I've already been asking different preachers how long... You know, at what point do you retire, pastor? You know, the, the high priests went from 30 to 50. I'm already beyond that. I don't think I'm quite ready to retire yet. But, but it's something to think about. You know, Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8, gives us some very simple construct, instruction, and we get it from an ant. Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 8. <clears throat> Go to the ant, thou slugger, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. In other words, this ant knows that winter's coming. And she gathers her food in the harvest. She provides for her food during the harvest, to carry her through till the next harvest. You and I need to be saving money for future needs. You know, if you're if you're if you're already uh, past the family, you need to be saving for retirement. If you're a young person, you need to be saving money for things that you're going to need in the future if you're going to have a home. house, some place to put that on. And they're not cheap. Don't waste money on things of little value. You know, a lot of people, young people have this idea, well, I have it, so I can spend it. There's going to come a day you're going to say, 
I wish I would not have. Trust me. Cars and trucks are not good investments. I'm not against having a decent car or truck, but they're not good investments. I've heard many older person lament the money they wasted on like things. Of course, girls can spend a lot of money on clothes, 300 pairs of shoes. I'm from the old school. How's that saying go? Use it up. Wear it out. Make it do or do without. I'm still of the opinion that I'm going to drive my car until it dies. Or is not worth fixing anymore. Do you know what I call that? Stewardship. Now, it has been a necessity for me. It may not be a necessity for you, but it's been a necessity for me. And I don't resent it. In fact, I like fixing up old things. Not to start working on me. You know, I'm getting old. Uh, no, you know, I, I like to repair things. I don't like things that don't work right. But, you know, the point is here, we need to sacrifice now and save for the future. You will not regret it. You know, wouldn't it be nice, young person, if you put, put money back now and when you're 25 or 28 years old and you want to get married, you can go to the realtor and say, I got X amount of dollars that I can put down on a house. 20% of the cost of maybe two or $300,000 or maybe more. And then you won't be swamped with debt. Because you know what? Living marriage is not cheap. Children are not. And you can't put a price on them. They are an eternal investment. I would pay whatever the price is to have my children. I wouldn't want any of the money back. I'll take my kids, thank you. They are an eternal investment, but it's expensive to have children. Prepare for it. Save. The second thing that I want to, and I need to move along here, didn't think it would take this long. Care for your body. I mean, that sounds kind of, you know, but care for your body. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, I was young and foolish once. Now I'm old and I think I'm a little smarter. I think I am. But I need, I'm need not as smart as I should be. But care for your body. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse, let's just drop down to verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. 
Flee fornication, every sin that a man doeth without the body, every man, every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, there's several applications here we can make. Number one, he's talking about don't you know, keep your body pure for marriage because to join it to a harlot is to sin against your own body and bring destruction on your own body. There's guilt and suffering that goes along with that. That affects the body. But even further than that, you know, you and I need to take care of our body. You're only ever going to get one. Nourish it well. What you put into your body now is fuel, building materials for the future. You know, the world has its commercials. My wife and I were watching something the other night on Pure Flix, and it's this commercial of a mother chasing her little rat around the house, and she had a look like a bean, string bean in a fork. And the child was running away because she didn't want the string bean. Do you know what the solution was? Sat down to the table with a smile and a box of Kraft macaroni. Worthless, empty, filler food. Hey, if it's garbage in, it's garbage out. You are what you eat. So you can eat Kraft and macaronis instead of veggies and you can be happy. That will be short-lived, I can assure you. Because it will affect your life. Junk and worthless food will affect your body. Third John 2, he says, that Thou mayest prosper and be in health. One young lady wrote this. Talking about the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, she said this. Spending your single year, quote, spending your single years packing your body with junk food and not getting enough sleep will take a toll on your body, a price that might be paid out in latter years when you try to have children. She's talking about to young ladies. Be being conscious of the things you eat, hours you sleep, and exercise you're getting, you can set yourself up for an easier time after you are married. It is the selfish single girl who lives now, who now, who lives how she wants to now without any thought of how her actions might affect her future, unquote. And that is the same for boys, too. Yeah, we, we men like our, our women to stay fit and healthy. Why not we stay fit and healthy for our wives so that we can better take care of them? You know, one of the common problems with preachers is obesity. Let's talk to Pastor Custer a little bit about it. I had a pastor friend who told me that it does affect his ministry.
You see, we need to take care of our body. We only get one. We need to nourish it properly. Get proper rest. I know that sounds like, you know, I don't need rest. Hey, I know of a young man, he's a pastor now, who is crippled basically because he didn't get enough rest. And this is what he said. I didn't eat, he ended up in a car wreck. He fell asleep. And this is what he said. I didn't, realize, I didn't even realize I was sleeping. just happened just like that. But he said, and he told me, he said, it's because I stayed up till 2 o'clock the night before just talking with a friend of mine. And didn't have the discipline to go to bed at a decent hour and get enough rest for the trip I had the next day. Just that quick. It almost cost him his life. It was a bad wreck. So save for a future investment, care for the body. Thirdly, cultivate your relationship with God. Matthew chapter 6, 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In Philippians chapter 4 and verses 5 through 9, Philippians 4, 5 through 9, the Bible says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, when I think about it, let your moderation be known unto all men. In other words, keep a balanced view of life. Don't be for be excessive left or right. Keep sense about things. Be practical about things. In other words, take care of yourself. Invest wisely. Uh, earn your your work work hard, and again, don't overwork, because that can end up in a car wreck too. So we're we're talking about moderation here in all things. And then he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are uh, just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So you need to cultivate your relationship with God. Draw near to God. Seek his counsel and his wisdom, his guidance. Let him, if you're desiring to get married, let him bring the person to you. Don't make it the focus of your life. It's one of the things we learned about Boaz and Ruth. Their focus wasn't, Boaz's focus wasn't, I'm going to get Ruth because she's a virtuous woman. Oh, he noticed her. And Ruth's goal wasn't, I'm going to get Boaz. He's rich. No, both of their focus was, I'm going to do what's right in the sight of the Lord. And God brought them together. God brought them together. So cultivate your relationship. And remember, the law of sowing and reaping. There are no exceptions. You reap what you sow.
if you live for the pleasures of the moment, that's what you'll reap. If you sow for the future, you're going to reap a harvest of pleasant things in the future. You know, sometimes I look back on some of those years when the kids were little. And I'll be honest with you, it was hard. It was difficult. It was also enjoyable. But it's like Pastor Custer said, you know, you tell them a million times, don't eat with your, or don't talk with your mouth full. You know, and you, and you, and you wonder sometimes, are they ever going to get it? And then you have people look at you like you're weird because are these all yours? And we didn't even have that many. Seriously. I'm one eleven. Six isn't many. But then they'd watch you in the restaurant and there were several times people paid my bill. I don't know if they felt sorry for me because the bill was gonna be big. <laughs> We even got to do a commercial. You know, there were blessings along the way. But, you know, life, what were we doing? We were investing for the future. Now the grandkids are starting to come. <laughs> you see, young people, be willing to sacrifice now and invest for the future. It will bring you pleasure in the future. A pleasant reward. Prepare for life.